Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jersey Educator Podcast. My name is Jeff Bradbury. And my name is Jim Boyce. And welcome to the Jersey Educator Podcast, the only podcast created by NJEA members for NJEA members. Thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome back. This is season two, our third episode in. And Jim, we've been getting some great feedback from our first two episodes, talking a little bit about some of the more social concerns. Jim, talk to us a little bit about the first two episodes for those out there who might be subscribing for the first time today and haven't heard the first couple episodes of this new season. Oh, absolutely, Jeff. Those first two episodes, very powerful conversations uh, between members exploring uh, social and racial justice issues both in and outside of the classroom. And, of course, you can check those out over on iTunes, Google Play. And, Jim, what are those links for people to go out and subscribe to this podcast? Right, Jeff. Uh, find us on iTunes. Do a search for Jersey Educator. We come right up in all 36 or 7 uh, episodes. Uh, you can also find us on Google Play and Stitcher Radio and online at njea.org slash podcast. And of course, Jim, it is getting to be the middle of the fall here. The leaves have turned. We are in the middle of October. And right around the corner is the NJEA convention. It is the big event happening at the Atlantic City Convention Center. I'll be there. We'll have the Teacher Cast booth all set up, uh, doing the Teacher Cast experience. I believe it's for our fifth year going on now. And for our second consecutive year, we're going to be doing the Jersey Educator Podcast live. Jim, tell us about that. Absolutely, Jeff. I think we're on Thursday, um, late morning, early afternoon. If my memory serves correctly, we'll we'll get that out, uh, time out. And uh, yeah, it's going to be so much fun, just like last year. A uh, couple straight hours of, <laughs> who knows, uh, former guests and um, hopefully the NJA officers can stop by again. And Jeff, all your fans who, who pack the house, uh, we'll, we'll get a couple of them to sit down with us also. I'm sure. And Jim will have your fan there too as well. Now, there's a lot of great things that are happening in the NJA. Jim, what can we expect throughout the, uh, the the first marking period, second marking period? Many people out there are just now getting into their classrooms, getting settled. They've had a month or so behind them, and they're going, what can the NJEA do for me? Yeah, you know, that's a good opportunity to talk about our county education associations, Jeff. Um, every county uh, every member is not only a part of NJA and NEA, but also a county education association. And just about all of them, I think, have websites. Uh, for example, we have a guest on today from uh, Monmouth County. So uh, Christina, who's coming on the show in a little bit, can search for Monmouth County Education Association. They would come right up and a lot of workshops, Jeff, on uh, professional development, professional development credit, uh, advocacy workshops. If you're involved in your local association or thinking about it, uh, all sorts of things. Um, in Camden County, which is the county where I work, um, geez, there's got to be 30, uh, 40 workshops throughout the course of the year. And, you know, some of them get really great turnouts, Jeff. 
absolutely important things that you can do out there as NJA members is to reach out and uh, find these great things that are out there. I always start by going to NJEA.org. A, uh, a, you know, br- I can, can we still say brand new website, Jim? It's been a few months. Sure, sure. Why not? Every sure. time I go there, of course, I can check out what's going on with this podcast. I can check out what's going on at Classroom Close-Up. I can learn about our brand new officers that, that uh, were installed over the summertime and see what's going on in the association. Definitely check that out. Jim, tell us a little bit about our guest today. Oh, Jeff, we have a special treat with us today. We have... As our guest host, uh, Jeff, a 19-year educator. Uh, She's currently the student and staff support teacher for the Highland Park uh, School District. Uh, I know her through her work as a former president of the Highland Park Education Association. Uh, Welcome to the show, Kim Crane. How are you, Kim? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely, Kim. And uh, we wanted to have you on the show for quite some time. But uh, we're going to do something a little different here. Instead of a show around you and your work, uh, you brought a friend on the show. So who do you have uh, with us tonight? I sure did. Her name is Christina Phelan, and she's a K-2 reading teacher at Mala F. Atchison School in Tinton Falls. Um, she applies research-based strategies to help her K-2 through students reach their reading potential and has a passion for books. Or she instills a passion for books and learning in all of her students, especially those who find reading difficult. Um, she's given dozens of workshops on literacy instruction at local and national venues for teachers and parents. She's written a chapter on fluency and best practices in early literacy instruction and she's received numerous grants to enhance classroom-based uh, programs. She's in her 18th year of public school teaching and has taught students in both um, urban, um, socioeconomically uh, challenged districts as well as affluent districts and um, fringe districts. She's earned an MED from Rutgers in reading education and an MA from Teachers College in Columbia. And she is currently the Monmouth County Teacher of the Year. So how's that for an introduction? (laughs) Kim, that that is quite an impressive resume. So uh, Christina, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Jim. So at at this point, uh, Kim, I'll I'll let you take it away and our our listeners are excited to learn more about Christina. Excellent, thanks so much, Jim. So we asked Christina on the show um, to talk about the topic keeping the joy in teaching. As a veteran educator, um, she and I discussed that this is something that um, educators of all years of service, all ages struggle with. Um, It's a really tough job. And, um, you know, Christina inspires me, um, not just as a a county teacher of the year, but also just with her day-to-day work with her students. Uh, She works with some of the most challenged students, especially with reading. And, um, you know, they don't always want to be there because it's something that they're not good at. She's overcome a lot of challenges. And um, I'd I'd like to, you know, have her tell us a little bit about how she keeps the joy as well as some of the County Teacher of the Year uh, role, what her responsibilities are and how she got there. Because that's something that all of us uh, can aspire to. So welcome, Christina. Thanks, Kim. The pleasure and privilege is mine. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Can you describe your role as an educator in Tinton Falls? Tell us a little bit about 
what you do day to day and what fulfills you about your work? Sure, I would love to. So right now I have a, a, a kind of a unique position. I work with small groups of students, um, first and second graders, and I, I get to work with them for an, an hour and a half period. So I get to provide very intensive instruction to six students at a time for an hour and a half. And so these students have been identified as students who have difficulty learning how to read. And I get to provide intensive phonics, phonics instruction as well as um, provide all their other reading instruction and so I get to instill a love of books and reading and I get to have um, a really solid amount of time to spend with them and to um, learn with them and uh, I get to really help them because these children are children that have a hard time learning how to read. Most of us learn how to read pretty easily. And these children, um, for a variety of reasons, struggle in, in their um, ability to learn how to read. And so our district has identified um, this need and they created this position. So it's, it's sort of a unique position and it's been really transforming for the students that I work with. and. Um, transforming for me as an educator because I get to spend um, an intensive period of time with them. So I really identify with Christina's work um, in that her job was created when there was a, a need for her students. Mine was the same. Um, several years ago, there was someone else in the position of student staff support, and they created the job uh, for students with needs with behavioral challenges. So I'm not teaching struggling readers, but I'm teaching students how to make better choices that struggle with their behavior issues. Right. So um, different, different genre, same type of um, need to understand the individual child. Mm -hmm. And it, it's stressful. You know, I know that you go home at night like I do, um, right. figure, trying to figure out these kids and, and the puzzle of what's going to get them to the goal that they need to be uh, productive and happy with their education. Exactly. So can, can you talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you've had and how you've overcome those right. um, in your work? Sure. So each child is a unique puzzle, like, as you know, Kim. So, um, so when I come home, I'm consumed with how am I going to reach this particular child and what are their challenges? And so um, the great thing is that we know so much about um, how to assess students and how to target strategies to benefit them. And um, what's great is when I started this job six years ago, I got to implement everything that I learned in grad school. So I have a battery of assessments that I can use on my students. And then based on those assessments, I can choose strategies to help help them maximize their reading potential. And another thing that I like to do is to, um, I, I write grants in order to get the best children's literature out there. So getting great motivating books into their hands in conjunction with the um, most effective research-based research strategies helps these children make the most progress. And so, you know, you put six, six of those kids in a group. And so, uh, that becomes sort of a, even more challenging, right? Sure, but sure. Um, but now I'm given the time to do it, which is really, really exciting. And we're going to talk about your grant work too, because this is, I know this is something that brings you a lot more control to your work when you have uh, extra finances to fill in some of the missing pieces that districts won't always fund. 
Right. So let's let's transition to a little bit um, of strategies that you use, tips to avoid burning out. Is all of this, as all educators, it takes a lot of energy to service right. our kids, no matter what the position is. Mm-hmm. Everyone is working twenty four seven. When even when you're sleeping, your brain's off. Right. <laughs> I've already had the back to school teacher. That's already happened, and, uh, and many more, and they'll they'll keep going. So how do you? Um, what are some of your strategies? How do you avoid burning out? Uh, let's start with in the classroom. So um, what really keeps me going is my, my efforts to keep learning new things. And so I go to a lot of workshops every year. And over the summer, for example, I flew down to Florida to the International Literacy Association, Literacy Association Conference. And I learned, um, went to some great workshops. And uh, I can't wait to implement them with my students. And so you know, going to local workshops, going to, you know, national workshops, the field of reading education is always evolving. And so um, one thing that helps me keep the motivation going is to, as a, to keep learning along with my students. Yep, I feel the same. Um, there's a lot of um, social and emotional learning workshops mm-hmm. that we do. And when you when you have something fresh at your fingertips, it definitely avoids that daily grind of the same stuff. I mean, even as a, an art teacher, you know, right. there you have to change up the lessons, um, even if you change up the colors. Yeah. If you change, if you change up your lessons yes. or you move something around, it feels fresh, it feels good. And it is a little more work, but it's, it brings long-term, um, it avoids boredom. You know? Absolutely. It really does. And I think uh, definitely we've all fallen into ruts and uh, absolutely agree that that helps a lot. What about relationships with colleagues and administrators? You know, we all have those, those difficult moments where, you know, we're six months in and everybody's exhausted and it's winter time and the sun's mm-hmm. been tucked away. So how do, you, um, how do you handle that when everybody gets kind of grumpy and we're just trying to get through to spring and past testing and all of that. Well, Kim, you know some of my colleagues. I, I am very lucky because I work with a very dynamic group of educators. And amazing. They are yes. amazing, right? And they're like incredibly motivating to me and they're so passionate about what they do. And um, one thing that I did this past year is I gave a series of workshops to 30 teachers in my building on reading strategies. And so being able to collaborate with them and um, just in an intensive kind of format by teaching. Like I, I did a, you know, a very intensive sort of a class with them. Um, and the interaction between all the, te- you know, among all of us to really kind of uh, helps get us through the year. So, so learning from each other. And exactly, right. And so I, uh, you know, instituted this new workshop approach and we're, we're learning from each other, sharing strategies and getting together once a month to uh, talk about our successes and our challenges. So that really helps. And what about your transition to home life? How do you disconnect? We talked a little bit about this for for about an hour. <laughs> what are our strategies for disconnecting? Because everyone needs that. It's hard. It's really hard. But that 15 minutes that you take for yourself is invaluable. So tell us about what you do to keep balance. After. So, so you know, when you're a new teacher, you think, you know, 
I can't take any time for myself. So you, everything is overwhelming. Everything takes so much time, but you really need, do need to take care of yourself. And so whatever it is that makes you happy, you need to make sure you're still doing it, whether it's a certain type of exercise, whether it's, uh, you know, spending time with friends, but um, keeping up with your hobbies, spending a little bit of time for yourself is really, really key because you bring that joy back to the classroom. So, you know, you feel like you don't, you can't do it because you don't have the time, but you really, by doing those things, you bring much more energy to your work. So whatever it is that you feel passionate about, try somehow to work it into your day. And don't feel guilty. Right? And don't feel guilty because it all comes back, right? If you're a happy teacher, you're, you're a better teacher. So whatever it is that brings joy to you, you need to keep doing it. Absolutely. It's part of the pacing. It's part mm -hmm. of, you know, if you've set out... Um, you know, five new bulletin boards, maybe you only do four. The kids probably <laughs> won't notice that last right. one is missing, you know? And then you take that 15, 20 minutes, an hour right. to do something for yourself, and then you come back refreshed, and you can do that fifth bulletin board the next day. <laughs> exactly. Um, I know it, it feels overwhelming, but you, the pacing is um, something that's learned, and hopefully on year 18 and 19, you've got it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. Some days, some days, but we all have those days. We all, we all have those days still, and that's. I think that's important too for us to put out there is that um, no matter how long you do this, you have good weeks, you have more challenging weeks, and um, you just keep doing it for the kids. And then you get that note from that child that says, "I love you, Mrs. Crane. You're the <laughs> exactly. best." And then that note goes on the "I love you, Mrs. Crane" wall, or "I love you, Mrs. Phelan" wall, and <laughs> And that keeps so, you going. It, it really does. So um, one more thing about uh, strategies. We had talked a little bit about things that, that cause burnout. And uh, you had mentioned lack of control. Mm -hmm. And I think many educators um, feel that there's a lack of control over programming, over uh, funding, and you, you had some strategies. You mentioned that you wrote grants that helped a lot with that. Can you talk a little bit about that, about sure. the grants that you wrote and how that, that helped you stay connected to your personal motivation, which also, you know, helped avoid the burning out? So, um, you know, I learned that there were three factors that contribute to burnout. And one is like that lack of creative control. And by writing grants, uh, based on your interest or your student's interest, you get to kind of regain that control. So mm -hmm. um, I like to do project-based learning and and uh, writing grants for those types of materials is a great way of infusing a little bit of creativity into your work. You know, you always have to connect it back to the curriculum, but um, you can kind of sneak in a little bit of project-based learning if you feel constricted and, and um you know, overly controlled. So grants are a great way to kind of uh, infuse a little creativity into your work. So Christina, I know that um, you've applied for some grants from NJEA. Can you talk a little bit about those grants and what NJEA has to offer? Well, you know, I haven't, I've received over 15 grants, but none of them have been um, NJEA HIP grants. And so as a Monmouth County Teacher of the Year, one of the perks was going to NJEA in Trenton and getting a tour of the facilities and learning about the HIP grants. And so um, 
you know, I just think it's a, this amazing opportunity for teachers to have a little bit of control over um, their resources and their materials. And, um, you know, I was just really overwhelmed by all the opportunities that NJEA had for their teachers, including the HIP grants. So I'm encouraging all of the teachers at our district to apply. Um, because one thing that sets up the HIP grants apart from other grants is that you are in control of the money and so you get a check and you get to spend the money as you described in your grant and you are um, in control of the materials and you do have to, you have accountability to NJA but you have there's a measure of control there which I think is just really appealing and exciting. Ah, yes. And you learned all of that when you toured NJEA headquarters and realized all the resources that they have. Exactly. That's so the Excellent. Right. So the very first thing that county teachers um, of the year have access to is this media training that's held at the NJEA headquarters in Trenton. And so we get to go on a tour of the building. We learned about a lot of resources that NJEA has for teachers that I didn't know about even after being a teacher um, for 18 years. So it was really exciting. Excellent. Can you tell us a little bit about the county of the, of the uh, county teacher of the year role? Like, what is the county teacher of the year? So the 21 county teachers of the year are, are sort of spokespeople for all the teachers of New Jersey. And um, the exciting thing is that we're going to be able to get together at the end of the month and decide on a statewide project. So every cohort group gets to decide on a project to bring attention to all the wonderful things that uh, the teachers in New Jersey do. Uh, last year, for example, the um, County Teachers of the Year decided to institute a program called RAFT, Reaching All Future Teachers. And um, what that means is the county teachers went to all the undergraduate institutions of education and sort of gave them a pep talk uh, about being teachers. Um, another cohort decided to provide professional development to any district that needed professional development in a certain area of expertise of one of the county teachers of, of the year. So this year we're getting together, actually at the end of this week, we're meeting at a hotel in Woodbridge and we're gonna mm -hmm. kind of come up with our plan. So every year the cohort for, of county teachers of the year get to decide on a project. Well, I'm excited to hear about what you're going to be. I know. Me Maybe too. another podcast. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Um, so how do you become a county teacher of the year? For anyone who would like to apply for that mm -hmm. or that piques their interest, how does that process work? Well, it begins by being selected a uh, teacher of the year for your school. And that begins, um, it's a school-based uh, program that you can be nominated by a colleague, a parent, a, a student, uh, all the nominees are evaluated based on a rubric that is provided by the Department of Education. And then all the school-based teachers of the year are invited to apply for county teacher, which involves writing um, four essays and providing a resume. And those essays and resume are scored by, um, according to a rubric, by multiple people and the the people who are top scorers are um, selected as the county teacher of the year. That sounds like a lot of work, but well worth it. I think it's I think it's going to be an exciting year. So definitely, it was a 
Yeah. So tell us what you're looking forward to with your students this year. We're almost at the end of our interview and we thank you so much. We've learned so much about you and um, hopefully given our, our fellow educators a, a little bit of insight into um, you know, what you do and I do to avoid burnout and keep the joy in our work. Um, what are you looking forward to? Uh, Kim, I have three great groups of students this year and um, I'm so looking forward to trying these new strategies that I learned over the summer with them. Um, I did a grant to get new books and I have like these wonderful series books that I think that they're going to love. So um, I just, you know, I'm just so excited about bringing new books and new strategies into their hands in order to help them become um, passionate readers and and learners so um, I try as much as I can to to bounce off of their interests and and um, learn about what they want to learn about and then I springboard from that so you know it's the beginning of the school year I'm getting to know my students and they're um, what a great group of kids they are and I think we're just going to have a great year together great well, I have a question do you know um, your who you're getting from year to year? Like, do you have your students um, over the years, or is there a new group every year? Um, generally, it's a new group. So there was okay. a time where I was getting some of the same students, but this year I have 18 brand new students um, in three different groups. So I'm getting to know them now. So it's fresh. Mm -hmm. Great. And any advice for our early career or first year educators, people who are just getting into the profession? Any last words of advice? Well, I would tell them to spend as much time as you can from those, uh, the most experienced, most respected teachers in their buildings. You know, tell, ask the administrators to let them go into those classrooms and, and, and ask, you know, whenever there's an extra sub, can you please, can I please have that sub so I can go and observe this teacher? Because I know that's how I learned best is by being in the presence of these master teachers. So um, hang out with them, ask as many questions as you can, make a pest of yourself, uh, you know, just follow them around, try to absorb who they are, how they do it. And uh, yeah, you know, that's a great idea with the subs. A lot of um, early career members may not know, or for, especially first year educators may not know that there are often times during the day when subs have downtime. Mm -hmm. that especially exactly for uh, meetings and you know really not uncommon that there would be a break for a substitute that they would just be kind of hanging out in the teacher's lounge yes. so excellent excellent advice to and, and certainly um no reason an administrator no good reason an administrator um wouldn't allow you to go in and observe another classroom absolutely well, thank you so much, Christina, for spending your time with us tonight. Um, I hope that this was as fun for you as it was for me. 
thank you, Kim. And, and I you. would and I would really like to publicly acknowledge all of the help that you have given our local association. And um, um, you have just been this wealth of resources and, and and inspiration and talent. So we really appreciate everything that you've done for the Titten Falls Educational Association. So thank you, Kim. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, they, you guys are just amazing to work with. I I really am very fortunate to be able to go around the state and Tin Falls absolutely shines as an example of uh, a union that's come a long way from two years ago. So congrats and thanks again. Thank you. Jim, I got to tell you, that was an amazing interview there between Kim and Christina. And, you know, we've had a couple teachers on the show over the last uh 35 episodes or so that were honored to be teacher of the year. And it's always amazing to listen to just, just how they speak about the program and, 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 you know, all the different things that being a great teacher can bring to their students. Jeff, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, so much positivity there, just oozing out of Christina and uh, you know what? I really, really liked her suggestion of the the substitute. Uh, if there's a floater sub or a sub with some downtime, talk to the principal, grab them. And uh, for an early career, for any anyone, you know, whether they're early career or a veteran, get around the building and use that sub to free up some time so you can do some observing. What what a great idea. I think that's important. I think there's a lot of districts that are doing that these days. Um, there is a fantastic piece of technology out there uh, called a swivel, S-W-S-W-I-V-L, which is essentially a, a mechanical base that you put an iPad or an iPhone on and you get to tr you, get, you wear this little necklace thing and essentially the camera moves towards it. So that way a teacher can run around. I, I've heard of a few districts that are now adopting these different types of programs where, uh, you know, observations are interesting and, and observations wow. are, are, are now expected for each other. And then I think uh, earlier in last season, we talked about the, what was it called, Jim? Pineapple program, pineapple oh, project. Oh, yeah, that's right. Where it was uh, all about yep, observations yep. and stuff. So I, I'm yep. totally a fan uh, of getting a chance to uh, to work with other teachers, both in and out of your department, and I would say even more importantly, both in and out of your grade level or building, uh, just to see what's out there. We, we never really have a chance. Many of us graduate when we're 22, 23, and then that's the last time we observe teachers. It's 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 time to do something a little differently, right? Right. I, I like it, Jeff. Uh, so, Jeff Bradbury, start a movement. Let's go. You can, of course, check out all the great stuff over uh, on TeacherCast. We've been doing a lot of interviews with different companies like that that have to do with that. So shameless little plug there. But, Jim, we have a, a few things going on there. Speaking of which, uh, as we wrap up this great episode, there's a couple of great things happening in uh, the NJEA coming up soon. What's going on recently? Yeah, Jeff, uh, getting ready for the convention in November, where you and I will be once again hosting a, a two-hour interview with all our previous guests. I'll I'll soon be reaching out to all of them to get them scheduled, and uh, you'll of course have have your little area. Well, actually, it's not little, right? You'll have your 
large scale area in the uh, technology section, I believe. Right, Jeff? That is right. The convention is opening up, opening up a second airplane hangar for the teacher cast experience. <laughs> Please stop on by. We have about 15 different uh, attractions that are going to be going on there. One of them is, of course, the great Jim Boyce is going to stop by for our show and uh, lots of great stuff happening there. So check us out there at the teacher's convention. Jim, one more time. Where do we go to subscribe to this very podcast? Sure, Jeff. You can uh, find us on iTunes. Just do a search for Jersey Educator. We come right up. Uh, Google Play and Stitcher also. And uh, if you're online, check us out at njea.org slash podcast. And behalf of on... And behalf of everybody here at the Jersey Educator Podcast. My name is Jeff Bradbury. And my name is Jim Boyce. Reminding you to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions in New Jersey.